I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week at capegunworks.com and click on the Rapid Fire icon to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, which is 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And remember to like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, and whatever your favorite social media platform of choice is, except for Instagram, which we have been permanently Zuckerberged over there. Oh, and my. Our main account was nuked, so now we go by CGW underscore backup. That's CGW underscore backup. And I know it's not as easy to find, but that's the way it is. You might be able to just hashtag Cape Gunworks and find us that way, but I don't even know if they've killed our hashtag. I wouldn't doubt it, but you never know. So uh, we're going to be getting to your questions later on in the show. We've got a good show for you today, a busy show, a lot going on. Obviously, the most um, pressing uh, information is the Senate, which is uh, moments away. And if you're listening to this on the radio, um, you've, it's probably already happened, but the, they're looking to pass their gun control legislation, also known as um, the Keep Our Kids Safe Act or whatever it is they're they're calling it. And uh, the bottom line is it is a um, gun control wrapped in with probably some really good stuff that should happen, like school resource officers and mental health. Uh, spending bills and helping people who are really um, in need of some help and rolling into it probably one of the biggest violations of your civil rights as it relates to the Constitution. And no, it is not a red flag bill per se, but what they have done is they have uh, put about $20 billion dollars in the kitty to bribe states of which there are already 19 to um, enact their own red flag legislation. And they want to have this red flag legislation enacted in all 50 states. And there were 14 Republican senators that went hand in hand with the, uh, with the Democrat side of the um, the aisle and to to basically um, promote this red flag legislation on the state level by banning or by offering an incentive for states to pass this red flag legislation. So um, this is 
amazingly, um, it's an amazing situation when you look at the true definition of what a red flag bill does. And I understand the intent of it, but there are laws on the books in all 50 states to deal with people who are a harm to themselves or others. And in some cases, they um, they are really, uh, you know, just a violation of your First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, and Fourteenth Amendment rights. If you break it down, it eliminates a lot of what the founders wrote in there uh, for due process. So tell us what you think. You can call or text what you think of these red flag bills, 508-444-2120. And we have a call from Dave in Jacksonville. So go ahead, Dave. David, Jacksonville, Florida. Curious why more politicians do not bring out the Second Amendment clause stating shall not be infringed to erase red flag laws. Thank you, and good luck. Mm. You raise a great point, Dave. It's, uh, and thanks for the call, by the way. It's a, um, it's a great question. Like, I don't get why shall not be infringed is so hard to understand. And, you know, that uh, actor, Kevin Sorbo, uh, Sorbo, has a Twitter feed that is I like to follow, and it's, it's fire. And he... He actually tweeted out today that all uh, gun control is an infringement, no matter how you look at it. It is. And even gun owners are okay with most infringements. I hate to say it that way, but they are. Like we all kind of pound the desk on background checks and and enforcing existing gun laws. And uh, we don't need any new gun laws, which... You know, I don't believe we do. I don't believe we need any gun laws uh, or existing gun laws. But the point is, uh, there's laws on the books that don't get enforced. So it doesn't matter how many gun laws you you bring into play. They're going to either A, be ignored, B, not be enforced, or C, be used against the people who aren't the problem. That's basically the way I see it, as most gun laws are applied. Very rarely does the low-level criminal suffer dire consequences of violating gun laws. And, you know, usually the teeth of the gun laws are plea bargained down to a lesser charge or to, you know, some sort of good behavior or whatever it is to a reduced sentence or no bail or low bail and, you know, right back out on the street to continue to harm and cause all kinds of problems. But, uh, yeah, Kevin Sorbo's uh, Twitter feed is, is actually pretty interesting in the last couple of weeks. A couple of other ones he says, uh, he said it best the other day when he said, let's stop calling it gun control and start calling it what it is, civilian disar- disarmament. And I think that's a very good point because that is the natural end result of all of the gun control advocates out there. And they used to say stuff like, nobody's coming for your guns. I even remember like Obama, you know, who was one of the most, you know, at that time, uh, he was the salesman of the decade. And again, I'm not getting political about this, but this is just the reality of the situation. And gun control takes on a certain political attribute to it by 
by nature. But he said, look, no one's coming for your guns. You know, nobody's going to come round up your guns. And that's what the the montage was of, you know, or the rhetoric was from all the people who actually wanted to enact, quote unquote, common sense gun control legislation. Yet that's what you used to hear. It was always common sense gun control legislation. Like we stand by the Second Amendment. We believe in the right to keep and bear arms. Everyone should be able to own a shotgun and go hunting. Everyone should be able to do a little target shooting. But, and that was always the big but, nobody needs an AR-15. Nobody needs 30 rounds. Nobody needs fill in the blank. And uh, basically the net end result now, they're not even trying to hide that, is disarmament. Now they're starting to say stuff like, oh, we need Australian-style gun control. So anyway... Uh, We want to thank you for listening to Rapid Fire each week. And this week's discount code is archery. For all of you who are listening online and you want to get a very special discount on your entire order, even if you're local, punch in that code archery. But just keep it between the radio listeners, would you? No, I'm just kidding. Go to capegunworks.com and use the code archery to get your special discount today. We will be right back. I'm Toby Leary, and this is Rapid Fire. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC3. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we would love to have you join the show. You can call 508-444-2120, or you can text 508-444-2120, and we will read your text on the line. Um, Before the break, we were talking about uh, the Senate is about to vote on this, you know, gun control legislation that Kevin Sorbo uh, referred to on Twitter as... uh, civilian disarmament, which I would totally agree is the natural progression of all gun control. That is the end result, the net result that they are trying to accomplish. And um, the uh, on his Twitter feed, he also said, 
It's ironic when people with Ukrainian flag in their bio say there is no reason for any civilian should own a gun. Um, isn't that, you know, isn't that ironic when the gu- Ukrainian Why? Ukrainian government was handing out fully automatic weapons to the citizens of um, Ukraine? And I find it also interesting how that is the seismic shift when it comes to um, reason and uh, critical thinking. Uh, I was having dinner with some friends a few weeks ago that aren't gun owners. Well, they might be gun owners, but they're not AR-15 gun owners and really believe that the a- AR-15 should be moved to the NFA roster uh, the, or the NFA uh, to become an a- NFA item. And they also believe that the, the age should be raised from 18 to 21. And we were talking about that and they uh, also got into the, well, why does anyone need 30 rounds? Why does anyone need uh, semi-automatic rifles? You know, it started to go down that road. And I said, well, what about Ukraine? Like, if you lived in Ukraine, would you want your government to hand you assault re- weapons so you could go fight the Russians? Oh, yeah, I do believe in that. Like, okay, uh, so you believe that the Ukrainian government should hand out assault weapons to people and say, go fight the Russians? Yes, absolutely, to defend their homeland. Okay, um, so how is that any different than Americans who want to defend their homeland? Well, we don't have the Russians invading. I know, but don't you get it that it's too late for the Ukrainians now that they're being handed out uh, guns at their police department? And how ironic, the Ukrainian police department, you can go pick up your assault weapon, but places like Miami just had a gun buyback program to raise money for Ukraine (laughs) and got a bunch of like fake guns off the street and guns that don't work and broken guns, et cetera, et cetera. And so in this country with a constitutional right to keep and bear arms, our police departments buy back guns to keep us safer. In Ukraine, where they don't have a right to keep and bear arms, they hand out fully automatic assault weapons, machine guns, and say, go fight the Russians. But it never occurs to people that maybe the reason we don't have to fight foreign battles on our shores is because of the 100 million gun owners in this country. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, what do you think? (laughs) Do you think that plays a part? And I know that out of the 100 million gun owners and the 400 odd million guns in this country, that there's probably only 50 million gun owners that are actually active participants in Um, you know, the shooting sports or going to the range or getting trained in the safe and efficient use of firearms. And they're what we would consider active gun owners. But I still think the 50-odd million people who are inactive gun owners play a part. I know people who don't really go shoot guns. They don't, um, you know, really shoot in a competition. Uh, but they own hundreds of weapons and tens of thousands of rounds of ammunition. And it's a collecting thing to them. It's not even a, like a, oorah, like I'm stockpiling weapons of war for my, for the day of judgment. It's no, I like to collect these. It's, it's just like Jay Leno's automobile collection to them. You know, that's what they're into. And there's no, um, harm or shame in any of that there's no nefarious activity on that but anyway once again tell us what you think about all that 444-2120-508-444-2120 is the rapid fire line and um 
One last thing that uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo says on his Twitter feed that I found really interesting is he says, I was considering reselling my guns to the government, but after a quick background check, discovered they have a history of violence and instability. And it's like, yeah, right. You know what? They want to background check me. How about we background check them? Because last time I looked, the largest mass shooting in the history of our country was perpetrated by the government, was it not, on the tribal people of this nation. And so maybe they're not exactly stable enough to be owning guns. Maybe we should disarm the I don't know. Just just thought. And speaking of which, the IRS just bought 700,000 rounds of ammunition in a month. The IRS. It's like, what in God's green earth does the IRS need 700,000 rounds of ammunition for? If we're Why? Get, if we're getting into that needs-based society, why does the IRS of all agencies need 700,000? Are they going to war? And it's interesting to read the breakdown of calibers that they were purchasing because in some they they called one of the rounds fully automatic machine gun rounds. So at first I was like, that's ridiculous. Like that's some ignoramus who doesn't understand what how ammunition works. But then it occurred to me, well, actually, that might not be so far off if they were buying linked belted ammo. So that's the only thing I could think of that would qualify as fully automatic assault weapon ammunition. Uh, so is the IRS stockpiling linked Ammo like 308 or 556 that's on belts. And if so, since when did the IRS become a paramilitary organization where they need that type of weaponry? Are they conducting their own raids? You know, generally speaking, when like some regulatory body or agency has to serve a warrant or do something they call the the SWAT team or something like that, but it sounds like they're they're getting all kitted up to do their own raids and SWAT team stuff. This I don't know. Um, but anyway, I guess the IRS needs uh, 700,000 rounds of ammunition because that's what they do now. Um, all right. Uh, we got time for a quick call from Charles from New Hampshire. Hi, Toby. My name's Charles. I, uh, I live in Hudson, New Hampshire. I recently uh, purchased a Smith & Wesson M&P, Shield, Sport 2, AR-15, and uh, I took it apart, cleaned it, boiled it up, got ready, and I was a little unsure about the bolt and the bolt carrier. It looks like it could go either way, and I wasn't sure which side was up. I didn't pay close enough attention to taking it apart. So there's the ejector spring on it, uh, I'm just not sure which way that thing goes in yeah. the bolts. Okay. Uh, I look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem, Charles. Um, so basically how this works is you have the the star-shaped bolt, right? And you want to make sure that the extractor um, is on the ejection port side of the bolt when you put it back together in the bolt carrier. So it has that cam pin that holds everything together. You can... Uh, some t- some of them you can't even screw up, but some of them uh, you could put them in either way. And you want to 
make sure that the extractor is on the ejection port side of the bolt, which would be the right side of it um, if you're looking at it from like back to front so or from over the top of it. You want to make sure the extractor is on the right side. So hopefully that helps, and uh, congratulations. You live in a free state where you can still do that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate the call, and we'll... Uh, you'll have a lot of fun with that gun. I'm sure it is a great gun. It's a you know basic AR-15 that is a very solid platform, and um, you can you know mix and match and accessorize it and everything else. So uh, yeah, you'll be in good shape at, with that if you uh, uh, put it back together the right way. The beauty of YouTube is, I mean, like when I first started getting into guns, uh, YouTube was not quite as uh, prolific as it is now and there's pretty much you know a video for anything out there it's amazing how many how many videos there are on youtube and you can just go you know type into the search box and you'll you'll basically see the breakdown of that and uh help you along the way but you'll be able to put together just about anything thanks to the youtubes out there but um and learn a lot from it as well in the process. That's how I learned how to build my first few AR-15s and, and uh, I had fun doing it. So now I've reached a point in my life where I like factory guns that are well thought out, well designed, and and uh, I don't necessarily make the Franken guns anymore that I used to. I went from like no AR-15s to a friend gave me one Bushmaster that I liked and then I all of a sudden built like 13 of them and then I was like, this is sweet. I love it. It's my new hobby. And then I started getting into the nuance of manufactured ones and started to like that a little better. And that's kind of where I'm at now, especially if it's a defensive gun. I'd rather have a factory gun than a gun that is kind of a put together or a Franken gun. I don't mind building them up from parts kits that are all from the same manufacturer or building them up from uh, manufactured parts that are of high quality because they're easy to easier to get running reliably. So good luck with that AR-15 from the free state of New Hampshire, Charles. Um, we're all jealous down here behind the enemy lines in Massachusetts. So there you have it. But getting back to, uh, you know, the news of the day, we got the, um, we got the uh, Senate and the 14 oath breakers that are set to violate your constitutional rights as they see see fit and are breaking their oath of office and there's still time if you get on the phone i think with uh your senators and really especially even if you're in a state that you know they're going to vote no or uh, vote for it i should say uh maybe they're a democrat or whatever pound the phone lines and let them let them hear your displeasure with their you're violating uh your laws so we're headed for a break, but before we go, you should head over to capegunworks.com and use this week's special discount code, Archery. We'll be right back. We have Alan from gunlaws.com next. You don't want to miss out. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. 
Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and I'm happy to have on the line with us right now, Alan from Alan uh, Corwin from Bloomfield Press, who is a author and um, of Gun Laws of America, a very popular book, and also has written a number of books around firearms and, and the related topics. So thank you, Alan, for coming on with us today. How are you? You're welcome, Toby. It's my pleasure. Uh, I'm up to 10 on books on gun law, 14 altogether, and I'm working on my 15th book. Wow, that's great. So you've been busy. <laughs> and uh, I'm busy. It's what I do, and uh, I enjoy it. Good, good. And I'm glad there's people like you in this world that enjoy that type of work so that we can reap the benefits of it. So um, Exactly. Yeah, my hat's off to you. So this, I hope I don't catch you off guard with this question, but it's something that comes up a lot and you hear it in gun circles and um, spec. I speculate about it a lot, but you don't have any idea how many laws there are total on the books as they relate to guns, either directly or indirectly. Now, I've written about that. The standard line, the Associated Press line, is that there's 20,000 laws. That's nonsense. There's 273 laws at the federal level, and each state has a batch, usually running into about 1,000, and we have 50 states. Some states have very few, but a total number of laws doesn't get you anything, Toby. The Brady Law that everybody's heard about has 100 different conditions in it, and it's one law. So it bans doing this. It requires doing that. It requires you to label luggage. All sorts of conditions. Is that one law? Huh. Does it matter if it was 20 laws or one law? It used to be one sentence, 531 words long. So how do you add that up? Right. No, that's a very good point. So it 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 proves that one law alone has a thousand or whatever you said, a hundred different conditions. So <laughs> you could easily parse that out as to a hundred different laws or... 
they all like if you violate one part of that, right? You're in violation of the whole law, correct? It's not just yes, yes. Yeah. and they each have different penalties assigned. I think what the question really is, Toby, and you're not the first to ask, how many gun laws are there? The question is, do we have enough gun laws? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is absolutely yes. There is nothing that you can do with a gun that's criminal that isn't already illegal. You right. can't shoot people. You can't wave it around. You can't go through your neighborhood let firing it off. Every single possible criminal use of a gun is already illegal. What they're doing now is passing laws to outlaw legal behavior, possession of a firearm, ownership of a certain kind, how much ammunition you can buy. There's no crime in buying a firearm. Mm. There's a crime in using it to stick up a liquor store. That's already illegal. So when you see new laws coming and you wonder how many there are, there's everything we need to prosecute criminals. And many of the laws protect us. We don't need more. We need law enforcement. And we don't have any. Yeah, I talk about that a lot on our show that, you know, I think statistically 90 to 95 percent of all violent crime is a repeat offender. And and the fact that laws by just the nature of what they are, they do have, in some cases, a slight, I would say, uh, preventative type of measure to them, but largely they are reactive. Would you agree with that? That's true. They have a deterrent effect, but mainly on people like you and me, and they have no effect on criminals. In fact, laws are really suggestions. We suggest you do this and do that. If you don't and we catch you, there's a penalty. So I don't want a penalty, so I don't carry a gun where they say you can't. But Mm. if I did, you got to ask yourself, who's harmed? What's the crime? Is there any damage? And if I have a gun anywhere, there's no crime. There's no harm. But they outlaw possession in, I don't know, a library, a school, a park, a building, and that's just restricting your freedom. It's not protecting you. And the people who ignore it, well, it's only a suggestion. And until they enforce it, it's not even that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like the general gist of gun laws is really designed to control and shape the people who aren't the problem. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I would say 95 to 99% of the people that it actually affects are never going to be a problem with a gun. And you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Now, do you get when into my first, when, when I wrote my first book on Arizona's gun laws, the people here in Arizona said, who would need that? Why would I need that? Mm. They carry a gun. They own a gun. They buy a gun. They sell one to a friend. They get more ammo. They go to the range. What do you need a law for for that? And it's Ill- assault is illegal in any fashion. Why do you need an assault weapon law that's redundant? Right. They just didn't understand it. Eventually they got it because they don't want to run into trouble. Can I keep this gun in my car? Can I go shooting outdoors over here? Questions that honest people ask. And holding up a liquor store or, or you know, smash and grab or any of this stuff, strictly illegal. And you don't need law, you need law enforcement. Mm. Yeah, we talk about that in our uh, license to carry class. We ask people, why do you want to own a gun? Not because there's a right or wrong answer to it when you're talking about 
the responsible gun owner and the law-abiding segment of society? There's no wrong answer to that question. Uh, it could be for collecting. It could be for self-defense. It could be because I like the nuance of it. Obviously, when you get into the criminal element, yeah, there's a lot of wrong answers why you should own a gun or why you want to own a gun. Maybe to rob a bank or kill somebody or whatever. That's the wrong for all the wrong reasons. But that isn't who we're talking about. And uh, and then the um, the the point of all that is. You know, they lay the blame and the and the regulation, the regulatory side of this at the feet of the responsible gun owner. And, you know, I feel I've always been offended by that, that, you know, we don't do that in any other segment of society. We just lose our collective brains and and, you know, critical thinking ability when it comes to uh, guns because, oh, they have the potential to kill people. Well, yeah, we just don't use the same standard of logic as it applies to any other, um, you know, thing besides a gun, like cars or liquor or, you know, um, hammers or baseball bats or swimming pools. You're touching on a very crucial point here, Toby. You, You are offended and insulted when they ask that question. That question is straight out of socialist Marxism. Mm. Why do you need 10 pairs of shoes? Why do you need a refrigerator the size of a closet? Why do you need a gun or so many guns? Only a socialist asks that because there's nobody in charge of telling you what you can own or not, but they want to control you, so they do that. Mm. And the real nub of this problem is hoplophobia, morbid fear of weapons. Mm. And the left, you know, the country's very strongly divided, and this is one of the dividing points. Hoplophobes are in Congress run the anti-gun movement. They're terrified of guns because you could kill somebody. Well, you don't. They don't see that because the terror is a medical condition and they don't get treatment. But mm. they think if they take your gun away, they're safe. What they're really doing is psychological projection because if they had a gun, they know they could go crazy. They have no impulse control. They could go out and just start shooting people and they're afraid that you'll be like that and don't understand that we're not crazy the way they are. And their solution is disarm everybody, which I would actually support if it was criminals first. But they don't do that, can't do that, and it's ridiculous. Mm. Well, I think you're giving a lot of people in power a little bit of a benefit of the doubt by what you just said that I don't know if they're exactly afraid of it for the the reasons you outlined. I think they're afraid of it because of their breaking of their constitutional oath to the American people. And that piece of it. Yeah, that's definitely a piece of it. You're you're, you're right. You know, there are always going to be the people who think that we should just wave the magic wand and make all guns go away because guns bad, you know, but. And that doesn't work. If you had a magic wand and can make guns go away, the communist Chinese would flood the country with guns like they're doing with fentanyl and cocaine and heroin. Mm. The fact that it's illegal or you can wave a wand doesn't make it go away. And in fact, you would just switch the balance of power to the brutal and the strong who would use edged weapons and clubs if guns didn't exist. Mm, true. Absolutely true. You know, something that's I've pondered and I've dabbled with over the years that was so surprising to me 
when I first got my license to carry, I was 18 years old. I walked into the police station and I applied for my license to carry, which you need in this state in order to uh, purchase a, a pistol. But I was shocked that the the agency that issued my license to carry was administered by the Department of Criminal Justice. And right. I said, what in the world does the Department of Criminal Justice have to do with me as a responsible law-abiding citizen? And the, you know, it just didn't make sense. And I always, I always had this nagging feeling in the back of my head that, you know, someday when they pass enough laws or make enough rules that all they got to do is throw the switch. And now I'm on the wrong side of that equation. And, you know, so um, it, it just seemed to be one of those things that didn't make any sense to me. But if you think of it in the grander scheme of, you know, them really wanting to do away with the second amendment and make, uh, you know, gun owners, outlaws, if you will, then then it might make perfect sense. But anyway. You've drawn another distinction that's important. I was referring to the general public who are largely hoplophobic if they're anti-gun. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the legislature are that way, too. But the legislature is, in some measure, absolutely evil. Mm. They don't obey their oath. They don't trust an armed public. They're afraid of you instead of being your representative. And it's not only hoplophobia, it's tyranny. Right. They figure if they can disarm you, there's no balance to their power, which is the real reason for the Second Amendment, a balance of power between the public and its government. You read our founding documents, that was primary. Self-defense and hunting and everything else was secondary, although important. And that medical condition answers a lot to why people are this way. Mm. The idea that you had to get a permit a permission slip from your government in order to possess private property that's constitutionally protected is an absolute tyrannical travesty. In fact, many people out here in Arizona don't get a permit. Now, we have constitutional carry now, so you don't need one. Shouldn't have to have that with the Second Amendment. And you're now permanently in the criminal database because you got a permit. That is so totally wrong. (laughs) It really is. It really is. Alan, um, why don't you tell us how can people find you if they want to get one of your books or see your website, and what's the best way for people to contact you? You best. If you go to gunlaws.com, that's my website, gunlaws.com, there's a button to send me an email. You can go ahead and look at all the products we've carried and... And then you're on your own. I always answer my emails. I talk to people all the time. I do a lot of interviews like this, trying to spread the word that if you think guns are a problem, then you're the problem. Of course, a lot of people don't get it, and the left doesn't admit how bad they are, but the media, just absolutely horrible. In fact, let me make a note there quickly. Um, I was at a meeting of professional journalists the other night, and a Somebody was there from PBS and another from the Associated Press, and they think they're doing a fine job of being honest, unbiased, unprejudiced, unprejudiced, and neutral. And I said, so tell me how many stories you've done about all the good that guns do. They didn't know what that was. Yeah. Well, I hear you there. So, Alan, you got the last word in edgewise. We'll talk after the break, but um, if you want Alan's book, go over to gunlaws.com and thanks for joining us and remember to use this week's code archery 
at capegunworks.com to get a special discount on your web orders. That's code archery. So go to capegunworks.com right now to get your special discount using archery. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I want to thank Alan for joining us, and uh, great talking with him. I'm sure we'll have him on again. It was uh, very informative, and uh, you know, you could probably do a whole show with a guy like that who's been writing books about guns and laws in this country for a long time. And um, so anyway, let's get to your questions. I know I've been promising to do that, and... Uh, If you want to be a part of the show, it's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. G-Webs was wondering what the latest gun for rentals was and what's the next one in the crosshairs. Uh, We just got a Beretta 1301 Tactical for rent on the range, and that is a 12-gauge semi-automatic defensive shotgun, which is awesome. It's one of our best sellers in the shop. And what is the next gun? I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't really thought about that too, too much. Nighthawk um, and Super Carry. Yeah, maybe a Nighthawk. I wouldn't mind having another Nighthawk on the rental wall. That would be awesome. But um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of like the new uh, CZ Scorpion Gen 3 pistol, but maybe we'll get something like that. Maybe the Springfield Hellion. Um, I don't know. We got a lot of 5.56 already, so I'm trying to diversify the portfolio a little bit. And... Uh, we have a cool 450 Bushmaster AR, um, but there's there's just some you know guns I've been interested in getting. Uh, maybe when 5.7 ammo starts to hit the floor again, we'll throw another PS90 out there because uh, we haven't had one of those on the rental wall for a while. So I'd like to get a PS90 out there again, but you know right now the ammo's unobtainium. So. Uh, Hustle's wondering about the 2A event that I was talking about. Uh, we're going to try and host a event with 2A uh, supportive candidates. Uh, there have been a bunch that have approached us, and I'm like, hey, let's get everybody in the same room. Let people ask you questions, kind of walk up and take your flyer and decide whether or not to support you. And, and uh, But it could be a Q&A with the 2A, uh, pro 2A candidates. So we're going to try and get that done. 
Um, do I think the assault weapons ban ends tomorrow with the Supreme Court's decision? Davey wants to know. Ah, boy, I don't know. Um, I hope so. Um, Supreme Court hasn't dropped any significant decisions on the gun, you know, gun side of the thing yet. So gun control argument. Um, I'm hoping they do soon, but you, God only knows we have a lot riding on it with uh, magazine bans and uh, assault weapons bans and also the New York State Pistol and Rifle versus Bruin, which is the May issue states. There's eight May issue states. Um, so there you go. We'll see how it goes. And uh, Toy Town was saying he shot 9mm from a Glock 10mm last month. A friend loaded a mag for you and messed up. Yeah, well, fortunately, again, you go in the right direction. Smaller is okay. It's probably going to be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, keyholing in the target to show you why the bullet's not running real good through the barrel. Um, And I could tell you a funny story about that sometime. Uh, So maybe we'll do that after the the break. And if you go to capegunworks.com, don't forget, use archery and keep it a secret. It's the Cape Gunworks speakeasy code to get in and get your discount. It's archery is this week's code to get a discount on your entire order. It's a special treat for our radio and podcast listeners. Use archery at capegunworks.com to get your special discount. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal punch defensive hollow point ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2,300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we were just talking, taking your questions before the break. And uh, I want to go ahead and continue on that trend. Um, so let's see. Uh, JF says, if he has his mass license to carry, am I able to come to your range and shoot with my 14-year-old? And absolutely you can. Um, you don't even need to have... 
just your mass license to carry. If you have some sort of firearms ID from any other state, we honor it and recognize it, and you can shoot on our range. If you don't have any type of firearms ID, um, and I know this sounds like we're the gun control <laughs> advisory board here, but we're not. We just have certain laws that we have we have to abide by because we're a business. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but if you don't have any type of firearms ID or law enforcement ID or military ID, then um, you can still shoot on our range. You're just going to be doing so with the help of one of our RSOs and do like a range experience package or something like that. So no big deal. We'd be happy to do it um, with you. And uh, it's, you know, um, not a problem. So anyone can shoot at Cape Comrix. That's that's the quick answer to the longer question. And Brian wants to know if we still sell fixed mag lowers. And yes, we do. We have a bunch in stock. I know I have 308 and 556. And a uh, long story on how that does not violate the assault weapons ban in this state, but but we have them. So any release info for the SIG 322 in Massachusetts? No. I have heard it's been sent for testing, but we'll see when it um, when it's um, finally going to hit the hit the roster. And Smeggy says NRA funded Republicans voted in favor of gun control. And yes, they did. You bring up a great point that out of the 14 Republicans that uh, voted to get this to the floor of the Senate, um, all of them except for one have either an A or an A-plus rating from the NRA and have taken contributions. Uh, Collins from Maine is the only one that has a B rating. So 13 out of the 14 have an A or an A-plus rating from the NRA, and the other one has a B rating from the NRA. So these were all considered strong pro-gun candidates um, by the NRA, and they have helped get them reelected or elected and um, now here they are in power, and John Cornyn has said he does not respond to mob rule or to the mob. And so when he was booed off stage at the GOP um, convention in Texas, he basically took to saying, well, I don't respond to the mob, you know, and even though the mob in that case were his constituents, which is just unbelievable to me. Um, to say I don't respond to my really, really what he was saying is I don't respond to my constituents. So anyway, uh, 508-444-2120 if you want to be on the show. Uh, that's 508-444-2120. You can call or text or leave a message. Um, HP says he had a issue with a 300 blackout AR-15 upper and didn't realize it was a 300 blackout and tried to put a 556 in it in a wooden chamber. Till you realized you grabbed the 300 blackout, not a 5.56. And that is the danger of, of those two calibers. And um, I myself did this in the middle of a carbine class. I had a 300 blackout with my magazine set aside. So I said, hey, someone throw me a mag. And I was going to demonstrate a drill with my 300 blackout, not remembering that I was carrying a 300 blackout that day because I do usually carry 5.56. And same thing, I put the mag in, racked the bolt, and... It didn't chamber, thankfully. And, um, you know, everyone kind of smirking and smiling at me. And I go, oh, I know why. <laughs> so I ripped it out, pulled the mag out, tossed my gun aside and borrowed a student's gun for the drill that I was trying to demonstrate. A little bit of embarrassment, but that is something you got to be vigilant about. And I highly suggest you mark your magazines 
300 blackout, which I have done. I have a bunch of them kicking around that are right 300 blackout only, and I will only load those with 300 black. Um, so let's see. Uh, Ravenless is bringing up the Lake City plant. What the heck? Feds want to end 556 sales to civilians. And yeah, this might even go hand in hand with what I was talking about with the IRS snapping up 700,000 rounds of ammunition is they are obviously trying to induce some sort of shortage of ammunition again into the market. I I just don't see it any other way. And by saying we're going to ban the sale, this is decades old um, history of the Lake City plant, which is a government-owned plant that has sold the excess ammunition to civilians over the years, which enables them to continue to... uh, you know, package and make ammunition for the federal government. The thing that people don't realize, and this is going to dovetail perfectly with another article I want to talk about, um, is that we, uh, the civilian market really drives the engine so that we can provide service to the government and to the um, police departments or paramilitary organizations out there. It's not the other way around. And this was one of the things we were fighting when we were shut down with the pandemic. And we were um, trying to show that we were actually part of the supply chain for, you know, government and military um, and police uh, supply chain for training and ammunition and as well as uh, firearms. And they basically said, well, you can continue to sell to government, but you can't sell to uh, civilians. And I said, this is ridiculous because we're not in business because we sell to government. We're in business because we sell to civilians. And you guys are getting the the benefit of that. It's not the other way around. And I was basically stiff-armed and told to, you know, shut up and sit down and go back to your, your, uh, you know, place of business and sweep the floors and try to keep everyone busy. And... So we did. We did do that. And we simultaneously filed a lawsuit to sue the governor and the attorney general and the local police chief who shut us down. So anyway, um, now look at the natural outflow of this type of sentiment. And I bring you an article that I that slapped me upside the face yesterday because it hit really close to home. Uh, but there's an article about it on Bearing Arms. I read it yesterday on a local uh, level, but a Massachusetts town is taking anti-gun nuttery to a whole new level, and um, the uh, town of Falmouth, which we were in negotiations to sell the Falmouth Police Department a, a bunch of new uh, AR-15s, so there were th- 38 AR-15s that we were going to supply to them, and in the process, they were trading in 21 used AR-15s that they wanted to upgrade and cycle out of their, um, you know, their um, armory. But we did not win the contract. Uh, Another local gun store did. And now a couple of residents have spoken up and 300 residents have signed a petition to dismantle uh, this sale because they don't want the 21 trade-ins to fall into the wrong hands. Even though the mass law says that those guns have to be sold to law enforcement only or that it, they could be sold out of state. But they're worried that some cop will retire someday and then sell 
this constitutionally protected item to somebody who's not a cop and therefore proliferate gun violence on our streets. It is unbelievable, and it's actually an embarrassment that I'm actually in this same general area of the people who feel this way. But there you have it. That's uh, our Massachusetts gun policy finally getting some federal recognition. But that's the end of this first segment. We're going to be here for another hour, so make sure you tune in at capegunworks.com and click on the Rapid Fire icon or call or join us on the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. You can ask questions and check out some of our online content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. Uh, So stay tuned, and we'll see you next time, or we'll see you in the next hour. I'm Toby Leary. God bless, and take care. tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA 
to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. And welcome to Rapid Fire, a two-way talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week. You can go to capegunworks.com, click on the Rapid Fire icon to join the conversation, or you can call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And remember to like us and subscribe on all of the big tech social media platforms out there and some of the smaller new ones, the alternate ones. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks everywhere except Instagram, which we were deplatformed and uh, zucked a couple months ago. So now on Instagram, we are CGW underscore backup. We would love to have you join us and rebuild that great content that was <laughs> ripped out from under us. So we're going to jump right back into your questions. So uh, I want to, you know, the the chat and the text line is fire today. So I want to keep it going. Um, so we got a text from the text line. And a guy says, my name is Forrest, and I live in Worcester, Oklahoma, and I have a question about constitutional carry here in Oklahoma. Do you conceal your handgun, or do you have to keep it? Um, I think it's outside the waist, but the rest of it's cut off. Um, So if you're in a constitutional carry state like you are in Oklahoma, the good news is you can carry it any way you want. Um, I highly recommend concealed carry, unless you're you know, city or town you live in is very used to open carry. I think you can um, make a statement open carrying, but frankly, I don't think tactically it's the smartest decision you could make. I believe that tactically concealed carry is a much better option. Uh, For the most part, the open carry is shoot me first and then, um, you know, eliminate that threat. But if you're concealed carrying, they don't know. So, Anyway, that's uh, the reason I prefer concealed carry over open carry, even if you can open carry. Uh, we are technically an open carry state in Massachusetts because it doesn't say open or concealed. It just says license to carry. Oh, my. And I highly dissuade anyone from open carrying in Ma- Massachusetts because you're just opening a Pandora's box can of worms and if someone feels threatened by it now you could get red flagged because we are a red flag state and or um, you know someone could bring up charges of brandishing a firearm or you know assault with intent whatever and who needs any of that right um, just to make a statement so anyway um, just because you have one doesn't mean we want to see it is a good <laughs> adage to live by Um Hey guys, question about fixed mag lowers. Do you still sell them and will these potential new laws affect the ability to build a PDW fixed mag AR pistol? Good question. Um, I don't believe any of the new federal laws, even like the ghost gun stuff, wouldn't necessarily um, affect your ability. And yes, we do still sell fixed mag guns. And there is a section or a segment of some proposed laws that I don't think will actually pass where disassembly of a firearm is considered gunsmithing and requires a federal license or something to that extent, which is amazing. Um, But you have to look at the ghost gun 
regulations and how they apply it. And if you're buying a, a lower separate from an upper, then all the action parts of the gun, it describes it as that houses the bolt or the hammer or the firing pin or the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And because the upper receiver of an AR-15 does hold the bolt and the bolt, you know, and the firing pin, it could be considered the action part of the gun, which would technically under the ghost gun legislation need to be serialized. And you're not going to just be able to serialize all parts like bolt and bolt action, bolt carrier groups and upper receivers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they kind of extrapolate that because you're assembling parts that aren't serialized. You're now a manufacturer or an FFL or whatever, what have you. So I don't think that'll ever pass muster, but I don't want to ever say never either. Um, but that's the way I see it. And um, I would buy it and build it now for sure. Um, so that's that's what I would say. Um, and Smeggy actually has a good point along those lines. But it will never happen in this age. Russia won't invade anyone. You know, and I remember, you know, as a kid watching Red Dawn and the Wolverines and all that and seeing them parachute down they're in school looking at the parachutes land in the ball field out back and uh you know thinking like could that ever really happen and um anyway uh that goes along that was a comment from when i was opining in the first hour about um the millions of gun owners in america and um g webs actually asking and calling into question that 50 or 100 million um uh, amount number so um, I remember hearing that from, uh, the NSSF, I believe it was that there were about 50 million active gun owners and it's estimated that there's another 50 to a 60 million inactive members of the gun owning community. So, but who really knows the number because there's a lot of States where you don't need any type of, um, you know, license to carry or, and there's no registration except in a couple States. So the, the real number is, is very speculative. Um, but I know they've also got numbers of how many background checks are conducted every year from the FBI NICS, and they can kind of extrapolate from there So as well. So anyway, um, G-Webs likes the uh, Vortex Optic ad that we run. That came from them. It, it does explain that BDC reticle really well. The only My only problem with it is, you don't know what optic they're talking about. They're just talking about the BDC reticle. And um, I wish they would say, you know, which re- which optic they're actually talking about and what its application is. But I get it. It's for TV or radio, so it doesn't necessarily have to. Anyway, and Vinny's talking about, you know, when we were getting back in the first hour about the Ukrainian issue, uh, issuing guns to their people. You don't learn to swim when the ship is sinking. That's why you're training. And good point, Vinny. Um Let's see, uh, another one from the text line. Uh, I already read the one from Oklahoma, excuse me. um, Getting back to that PDW fixed mag AR pistol question, um, in Massachusetts you absolutely can only build an AR pistol if it is a fixed mag. Um, There's really no, or a dedicated pre-ban you know, pre-94 AR pistol or a pre-94 virgin lower. That's really the only way. Or you can come to Cape Gunworks. We got a uh, one of those um, Olympic arms. What is it? The uh, 
what is that called again? The pistol from clear and present danger. The, um, it's the OA 58, I think, or OA 53. And uh, so there was only 500 of those made and we have serial number under 100. It's, it's actually under 50. So uh, it's a pretty cool gun. You want to check that out. Um, yeah, uh, I knew you would, there it is. If you're on the chat, you'll see the video, the picture of that, uh, OA 93, excuse me. I had a, uh, senior moment there, which is happening more and more. Um, <laughs> uh, and Jeff wants to know what's up with the pile of guns in the corner. Don't, doesn't everyone have a pile of guns in the corner? Um, but that is me getting taken advantage of by all my gun friends who say, Hey, can you hold on to some guns for me? And I say, sure, why not? And now it's created quite a pile, but um, we'll sort them out someday. <laughs> uh, and uh, Smeggy says, I'm just sick of LaPierre and his goon squad. And I can't agree with you more there. That is one organization that needed some top-down wholesale change. But anyway, uh, there you go. Uh, we'll be right back, though. If you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes including ladies-only classes and couples classes. So sign up at Cape Gunworks, and you can apply for your license to carry in this state. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. More after this. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low light shooting, and because the reticle is glass etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target out to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the AR BDC 3. This is Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And make sure you take advantage of the Rapid Fire line by calling 508-444-2120 anytime of the day or night. And you can include your first name, location, and your question to 508-444-2120. And if we don't answer, we'll get to it next time, I promise. Maybe. That's a, that's a maybe promise. And we will try to get to all your questions. You can also text 508-444-2120. For the rapid fire line, and let's do that. Let's go right to the rapid fire line. My name is Casper. I'm calling from uh, Belmont, and my question is: um, When somebody relocates to Massachusetts, 
which uh, guns can they bring with them into the state legally? Oh, what happened to Casper? We lost him. Uh, My name is Casper. Which uh, guns can they bring with them into the state legally back with them? Because I heard that they, you have like a little bit of amnesty and grandfathering with that. And um, if somebody wants to sell you one of those, do we just come into Cape Gunworks and you just take care of the paperwork? And one of the things that I'm looking at in particular was a mayor's leg. Mm. That's my question. Cool. Hope to hear the answer. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for calling, Casper. And uh, so the question is kind of a multi-pronged question. Number one is what can you bring in the state and are you grandfathered? Uh, The answer is not really no. You're not, I mean, kind of no, you're not grandfathered. However, you can bring in whatever gun you already own when you move to the state, as long as it doesn't violate the assault weapons ban. So I would say regular AR-15s and AK-47s are a no-go, but any pistol that you can't ordinarily buy at a gun store because it's not on the mass-approved weapons roster, um, yes, you can, as long, again, as it doesn't violate the assault weapons ban. Um, the mayor's leg is a considered a pistol, so it would be subject to the uh, mass-approved weapons roster. However, because it's a lever-action gun and doesn't have a detachable magazine and a pistol grip and all the other uh, assault weapony features, then you can bring that with you, and then you can also uh, sell that to somebody on a EFA-10 transfer. So as long as both of you are licensed gun owners or licensed to carry in the state or have an FID card in this case. Oh, no, actually, FID card would not apply. You'd need to have a license to carry because it's a pistol. Um, Then you can do a private transfer. You cannot go to a local gun store and have them do the transfer. As counterintuitive as that is, where they would actually do a background check, Um, but you go to the mass gun transaction portal and you you just sign in and, you know, the, both parties can do it. And you're allowed to do four of those per year as a seller. You're allowed to buy as many as you want. But as a seller, you can only sell four guns per year in the state privately. You can sell as many as you want through the, um, through the uh, gun shop. But if it's not on the roster, the gun shop can't facilitate the transfer. As crazy as that sounds, it's... It's about clear. It's clear as mud. But welcome to Afghanistan. I'm sure you didn't expect anything less. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Joe Pacheco wants to know how I know the difference between pre-banned Beretta mags and standard. Um, that's a good question. There's little nuances you can tell from them, and some of them were stamped obviously after the assault weapons ban. Um, I can't remember if the Beretta ones had the zipper back on them. I think that was just SIG, but some of them might have had it. Um, and if it's so, if it's not uh, date coded or stamped, you know, law enforcement use only, and it's an old mag, generally speaking, it's pre banned. But if it was made after uh, between 94 and 2004, it was stamped. Uh, law enforcement use only. So that's really, in some cases, the only way you can tell. Um, it's it's not exactly like they all date stamp them nowadays, which I don't think anyone should date stamp mags personally. But anyway, um, let's see here. 
Jubebs, <laughs> if you have too many guns in that pile, I know a place with 15% off sale on gun safes this week. <laughs> Thank you very much for the little plug there. Yes, that is true. Um, I do have a 15% off gun sa- safe sale going on this week. So there you have it. Um, and then we got uh, Smeggy mentioning, based on the first hour, uh, the the possible mix-up of 9mm Makarov is easy to mix up with regular 9mm. And uh, as well as there's some brands of 380 that actually call it 9mm Kurtz. And that threw a couple of our sales staff for a loop once upon a time when 9mm was in hot demand, you know, and you couldn't find any. And we, oh, we got this 9mm right here and it'd sell a box and the guy would come back a couple days later. This doesn't fit in my gun or it doesn't shoot in my gun. And we'd be like, hey guys, the Kurtz means something at the end. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's not always so obvious. Um, and Matt says, interesting how the IRS got a huge increase in budget and now this, and HPS says, if the government runs the 5.56 ammo plant, then the government should give one free case of ammo to each person that wants it since it's paid for by our tax money. Yeah, that'd be a nice feature. It's almost like uh, 40 acres and a mule, right? Uh, the, <laughs> the reparations after uh, the end of slavery. But I don't think they exactly run it. I think they own it and they lease it out. And like Winchester has the bid right now, like they are the, they run and operate it. Winchester does for the government and supplies the government with the ammo and then um, the excess. Now, the crazy thing about it is even though Winchester has the lease right now to run the Lake City plant, other manufacturers benefit from that as well because they buy the man, you know, the Lake City ammo from whatever the company is that has the lease, that kind of, they all play together in that industry or in that space. And because they want the M855 and the XM193 uh, ammo for themselves, and that's done at the Lake City Brass, you know, facility. And so this is estimated to contribute to about 30% of the 556 market. Um, So that is a huge disruptor in the industry. Uh, 30% right after we're coming off, you know, licking our wounds of the last two years of ammo shortages and then this, and this is right in the playbook, right out of the, you know, uh, you know, if you had to write the top 10 things of the, you know, gun banning, gun confiscation, civilian confiscation agenda, let's call it what it is, the civilian confiscation agenda, you would punitively want to tax and make it hard to get and make people expensive, which is why all gun control by nature is racist. If requiring a voter ID is racist because poor people or homeless people can't acquire it and they're inferring that only minorities are poor and homeless, which is far from the truth, but to call voter ID laws racist because it's affecting the poorest of our communities, then what does that say to gun control? When just look at Massachusetts, where you got to take a class, which, you know, is average, goes from, 
at least 50 bucks to somewhere up to 175 bucks for a class, depending on which one you take, in order to get the certificate that enables you to go down to the police department to apply for your license to carry. Oh, and by the way, pay another $100 uh, fee, which expires every five years that you got to pay another 100 bucks. And that's just before you have even bought a box of ammo or a gun. And then we have this restrictive roster in this state where you can only buy certain guns because they have to be approved for sale en masse. And therefore, they're going to be expensive, more expensive than other companies that don't sell their guns in Massachusetts because they didn't have to pay the premium to sell them here. They didn't have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get their guns tested and destroyed in the process uh, just so that they could be added to a roster that they may or may not meet the attorney general's demands and definitions of. So... I mean, it's dizzying, but if that isn't racist, if you're going to call it the same thing as voter ID, which is, you know, which they consider racist, then I don't know what is. I mean, that's racist uh, to the 10th power if you, if, if you, you know, just requiring an ID is racist. Anyway, um, you got me down a rabbit trail there and I don't even know how, but that's, oh my God, that's the ADD look. There's a squirrel moment in my world. Um, so. Uh, and then Chris says, if you buy Lake City, aren't we really paying for it twice? Uh, possibly. I guess there is there is probably a certain extent of that. Although I, I my suspicion is the government makes money off of that, uh, which is probably what you're inferring. So the company that leases the Lake City plant is paying the piper and then selling it to us to, to buy it. And so the government's you know making it whatever. Uh, and G-Web says, be careful if you sell the police an AR-15, you don't accidentally supply them with fully automatic firearms rounds. <laughs> yeah, like the IRS bought, because um, those fully automatic firearms rounds could fall into the hands of civilians too, right? I mean, if you take the logic, I want to read to you guys, because this is huge about Massachusetts, if you ask me, um, if I can pull it up. So... The deal entails the police department buying 38 semi-automatic weapons from Powderhorn Outfitters, which is our competitor who won the, the bid, and trading 21 semi-automatic weapons, 20 of which are AR-15s, to receive credit toward the purchase. Good deal for the town, right? They're getting to trade in. And over 300 Falmouth residents signed a petition for the town to dismantle and destroy the police department's surplus weapons rather than trade them in, said the Reverend Deborah Warner who created the petition. Town Council Mora O'Keefe, what is up with Mora? O'Keefe advised the select board at June 6th meeting that the contract which was signed by the town manager is legally binding. All right, go for it. Um, more after this. Uh, but summer youth rifle class is back on six consecutive Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Kids will learn the shoot from the multiple positions and learn how to clean and maintain their rifle. Give your kids or grandkids the knowledge they need to shoot safely. Sign up at capegunworks.com and click on the class calendar. We got attorney Keith Langer next. So we'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road. Or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect no matter what you trust it with. 
we've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we couldn't raise Keith on the line, so hopefully he's okay. I'm sure he's just busy on a conference call or taking care of some business. So we'll get with him next time. Uh, so that just means more time to talk and interact with you guys So and talk about the news of the day. Because um, one of the chatters here on the, on the line, um, Davey said that there's a few um, gun YouTubers that are talking about uh, a bunch of gun case cases being dropped tomorrow. The NYPRNA uh, versus Bruin will be dropped tomorrow along with the assault weapons ban and the magazine capacity ban. So um, that would be awesome. But they're saying that it's dropping tomorrow at 10 a.m. and a bunch of stations or youtubers are going to stream it live and be able to comment on it as it as it drops i think um that that would be awesome i don't know who has the inside knowledge of that but if that's the truth great you know that's awesome uh we we will stay tuned and be able to comment on that as it as it leaks out as well um so uh and Chris says, probably get asked this all the time. I want to build an AR platform. I already have bought a lower from a dealer. Can I make it featureless and fix the mag and legally register it? Um, well, here's the beauty of a fixed mag lower is you don't need to make it featureless. So because it has a fixed magazine, it doesn't meet the criteria of assault weapon. So you can have all the evil features. You can have the um, flash hider, you can have the bayonet lug, you can have the threaded barrel, you can have the collapsible stock, you can have a folding stock, you can have a pistol grip, all those evil features that make the gun evil and assaulty. Um, but yeah, if it's a fixed mag, it can never be considered an assault weapon. So I wouldn't make it featureless and fix the mag. I'd 
make it either featureless if it's a pre-heely lower, or I would make it a fixed mag and with all the features <laughs> on the uh, on the build. So yeah, um, as long as it was originally manufactured and you are still allowed to manufacture a gun in this country and state, uh, you can then go ahead and uh, build that up as a fixed mag AR-15 and then register it as such once it's all done and goes bang. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Chris. Um, which brings me to some news of the day. We just finally got the new P80 kits from uh, Polymer 80. They're the AFTs, and they are basically the the modified buy-build kit. I don't know if you guys remember when they P80 had the buy-build kit, and you got like a Polymer 80 lower and everything else to complete the gun, and the ATF said, time out, time out, guys. You're basically through... Um, you know, through assembling parts, creating and manufacturing a weapon and a firearm and selling them illegally because they're unserialized and they're not, there's no background check and all that. And they're like, but it has an 80% lower, which you're totally fine with us selling otherwise. They're like, yeah, just not to one person with everything they need to put it all together, packed in a box and a kit. And it's like, well, that's stupid. What do you think they're going to do when they buy the P80 lower? They're going to buy all the stuff and make it into a kit. We're just making it a little more convenient. And they're like, yeah, you can't do that. Because we make the rules and we bypass the legislature and we do our thing. And so, therefore, you can't do it. And gave them a cease and desist, which they did comply with. But, alas, they've come out with the new 2.0 version of that. And basically what it is is a serialized lower that is already considered a firearm. They manufacture the lower. So there's no grinding and drilling and filing and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they have the piece of plastic with the serial number that when you buy it, you got to do a federal 4473 background check. And then you put all the rest of the parts together and you have a Glock-ish pistol for a very good price. They're less than 500 bucks with a magazine and a carrying case. And so it's really brought the the evolution of that buy build kit back on the market, but it's, you got to do a background check, which a lot of people don't want to do. The, the whole idea of the polymer 80 is so government doesn't know what I'm doing. And uh, that's, that's cool. I understand that. And I don't think government should have to know what you're doing if you can legally own a gun, which, or responsibly own a gun. Um, so I don't see what the point is that they have to know. And we got to stop the proliferation of ghost guns. And anyway, um, so the, the bottom line is uh, we have these now that are the 2.0 version. You do the background check, which honestly, in this state, it didn't really matter either way because you got to register them once they go bang anyway. And um, but I do like the kit and I know I'm going to hurt some feelings here. I actually like the Polymer 80 gun better than the standard Glock. And um, I like the texture of the grip. I like the undercut on the trigger guard. I like the serrations in the slide. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a fan of the gun in general. And I prefer it to the standard Glock. So the one thing in Massachusetts is people are always wanting the gun that they can't have. And when they pass this Consumer Protection Act, nonsense law back in 1998 um the attorney general at the time uh 
was basically looking for a backdoor gun ban. And how could they do that? They could ban the most popular gun in the world, which is Glock. And so that's basically what they did. And Glock actually started to sell the guns in 98. Uh, Actually, I I shouldn't say 98. This originally goes back further than that, I think, to 94 or 95 when they originally did the uh, Consumer Protection Act. But Glock finally started to make their guns mass compliant and uh, send them for testing, et cetera, et cetera. And then they got bit hard by the attorney general who said, wait a minute, you don't have a loaded chamber indicator on the on the extractor. So therefore, you got to round up all the guns you've sold in this state and don't do that again. And so Glock hasn't. They've only sold to the law enforcement market here. So anyway, I said all that to say this, get the Polymer 80 version of it and you can build it yourself and then have that Glock-ish pistol. So it's pretty cool. Um, there you have that. <laughs> uh, so... Let's see what happens on the New York State decision, and if it if it comes out tomorrow at 10 a.m., that would be awesome. I hope I really hope it does. Uh, we've been waiting for this, and I actually had in today's notes for the show prep that we're still waiting for the SCOTUS decision on um, a bunch of stuff. So I would love it if that happens. They are really painting themselves into the corner. And uh, all right, we got Keith on the line, so uh, let's go right over to Keith. And uh, here we go. Hey, Keith, how are you today? I am just fine, having made my second trip to Dedham District Court in as many weeks to the simple, supposedly, task of getting a record sealed for a client, but it's done, and now the chief is ready to issue him his LTC. Well, hallelujah. Isn't that just, um, you know, your government at work for the people, right? um well hey uh keith one of our i i would call our super users on our chat brought up a good question yesterday on the grace curly show when we were live with them with her uh and they asked i promised to ask you um they said look in you know this day and age it might be um smart idea to have some guns staged throughout the house under the letter of the law for uh, defensive purposes and is it legal for me to keep a AR-15 you know obviously a pre-healy or pre-ban or whatever staged in my automobile if it's in a rapid safe uh, for if the crap really hit the fan and he wanted to bug out of town and didn't want to have time to take anything with him is that uh, legal, or if you know he's at work and something happens at work, and he has access to that in the parking lot, et cetera, et cetera. So, I've- well, I think somebody doing that is creating far more likely problems than they're going to encounter with their mythical end of days zombie apocalypse alien invasion bug out bag scenario. Now, staging guns in the house. Those would be technically stored, so as long as they have a mass-approved lock on them or in the proverbial lock container, that's fine. You don't want them found in an unlocked state. Right. And there are all sorts of scenarios under which the state enters your house unexpectedly, like somebody gets hurt, the proverbial wellness check, fire, what have you. Mm-hmm. That's not even getting into the really paranoid stuff like you're being swatted 
or just the cops couldn't read the address correctly and barged into the wrong house. Right. But, but let's get into the vehicle. Vehicles are transportation. Vehicles move. Therefore, you're not talking storage. You're talking transportation. Transportation means that in order for it to be loaded, it has to be on your person or under your direct control, whatever that means. Right. Uh, in the trunk, it's not remotely close to either. Sorry, you broke up so, a little. What was that? Being in your trunk is not remotely close to either under your direct control, still less on your person. Right. No, I get that. It, yeah. yeah. In your trunk is storage, and in a locked trunk is okay, but while you can have a loaded gun stored, you can't transport the gun in a loaded condition. Correct, yeah. So you would have to have the gun in the proverbial lock case without ammo in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you've got your standard AR-15 magazine. It's got about a half dozen pouches for mags on it. Yeah. But you can't have any, obviously none in the gun. I would not even put any inside the case with the gun. There's right. no other reason. It'll scratch the heck out of it if it's bouncing around. But the real problem is cars get broken into. Mm. I've had several clients who are facing negligent storage charges and all the consequences thereof because they thought that putting it in their console was sufficient. It's not. Mm. And that's assuming you can even prove you locked the vehicle. You know, if there are scratches on the lock if they broke the window, well, that's pretty obvious that they broke in. Right. With a Slim Jim, that may not be, there may be no evidence of it. But the other problem is, okay, they broke in. The glove box doesn't count. The console doesn't count unless maybe it's a locking console. So it's up to you to prove that, notwithstanding the fact it was in anything other than a locked trunk, and these are usually out of SUVs and pickups, that the gun was locked. Well, you know, the guy who took it is going to get a couple of ice grips and take that trigger lock off in a minute. Mm. So, how do you prove the gun was locked? Because by the time the cops find the gun, if they find the gun, that lock is long gone. Right, but what if it's in a in a box that's designed for, like, gun safe storage in a vehicle, like a purpose-built gun safe that's made for... Uh, for that, like in my old pickup truck, I used to have a gun vault that was uh, the took up half the bed of the pickup truck. I punch in a code, the whole drawer slid out, and it had compartments inside for magazines and guns and et cetera, et cetera. Those so, are great because that's exactly what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. Those are wonderful as long as they're secured in the vehicle. Right. It doesn't matter how great the vault is if the guy just picks it up and trots off with it. Uh, what I usually see is that they've been welded or bolts with the bolts on the inside of the container, something like that. So you've got to pretty much hack the car apart. Right. The other thing that might pass, and we we have no case law on it that I've ever seen, but some of these uh, sport utes and even pickups have hidden locking storage containers, mm. usually under the seat. Locking being the key word. Right. That's yeah. not going to fit an AR-15, but you're probably better off with a handgun anyway, just because if you're bugging out, you're going to need all your hands. 
right. better to have a handgun and your other hand is free for your spouse, your child, your backpack, a duffel bag, what have you. Mm. Cool. Well, thank you for clearing that up for us. So as long as it's a purpose-built thing, you can you can do it. How do we reach you, Keith, if someone needs your services? Easiest thing to do is call the office at 508-384-8692. Again, get your pencil, 508-384-8692. Or go to my website, kglangerlaw.com. Thanks so much, Keith. We'll see you next week. Uh, take a private lesson. Get one-on-one instruction tailored to you. We have lessons for pistol, rifle, and shotgun. Test out different guns. Book one now at capegunworks.com slash privates. And we have archery with Dylan next. We'll be right back. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch Defensive Hollow Point Ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Snap Safe, featuring a pry resistant 316th inch solid steel door, 2300 degree Fahrenheit one hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. Snap Safe, a modular safe with welded safe security. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281 603 Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, a two-way talk show that you can call into, text, or leave a message anytime during the day or night, 508-444-2120, 508-444-2120. And if we don't answer your question during the show, we'll try to get to you next time, so you don't want to miss a show. And uh, so call in to 508-444-2120 for the Rapid Fire line. All right, well, some of you might think that the archery department is the redheaded stepchild of the gun store, but we don't think so. And it's also not to be confused with the redheaded archery guru of the gun store, Dylan. So Dylan, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Doing very well. Happy to be here. Good. And so um, we got some upcoming archery classes going on this summer. Why don't you tell everyone about them and what's what can they expect? Absolutely. So yeah, this summer, starting uh, July 10th to August 14th, we're holding youth summer classes for archery. 
They're going to be held every Sunday, 12 to 1.30 p.m. We have uh, 12 slots available, and it's recommended for ages 10 to 15, although if you call into the shop Sunday to Thursday when I'm working, we can definitely make some exceptions. Cool. So this works really well with the children's predilection towards sharp, pointy objects, correct? Yes, absolutely. It, it satisfies the curiosity in the kid who wants the sharp stick or the rock or the BB gun or the bow and arrow or the slingshot or the whatever else you fashion in your primitive, uh, you know, weapons of whatever in the backyard <laughs> like I did when I was a kid. Um, so, you know, we got what did you say the ages were? Uh, it's 10 to 15 recommended, but of course, if they're close to there and they take instruction, well, we can make some exceptions. Okay, great. So every kid is naturally curious of like, and wants to shoot bow and arrow and wants to shoot guns. I mean, I shouldn't say every kid, but <laughs> most kids, I would say, have at least a curiosity um, with it. And so I think it's a great way to bring them in in a safe and structured manner, give them the good safety um, you know, rundown, and it's a eight-week course. Is that what you said? Uh, how so, long, how yeah, long are we doing it? The classes will be running for that entire period of time, and so if you sign, you can sign up late as well. Um, that we have the sign up available on CapeGunWorks.com right now. So if you click on the tab list of classes, check out our calendar. You can check out that full period of time and see our availability. Okay, so you don't have to sign up for the entire thing. You can come to one class, or you could come to three classes, or you could come to you know, half a dozen or whatever, right? Exactly. Come. And we adjust pricing accordingly. Okay, yep. cool. Well, that's good to know. And, uh, you know, obviously archery is something like shooting guns or whatever. It's a perishable skill, but it's also a skill that number one, a kid could soak up pretty quick and learn, but they're going to have to put some practice behind it. They're going to have to put some work in up front to get proficient at it, right? You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a great introductory sport for kids looking to deal with something with, their interest with projectiles, like you said, if they like BB guns or archery, I think it's a great first step. They can learn to be safe, how to properly um, demonstrate their skills on the range safely and uh, skill building, just learning how to go through the form of it. And it's a great introduction into the outdoors also. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I remember as a kid with the Boy Scouts, that was my first introduction with firearm shooting. Um, but there was a couple of times when I was trying to get the archery merit badge and you know didn't have any outside instruction on how to do it and I don't think I ever accomplished it but um it was something that I I had a hard time finding a place to do it and a and a mentor or a class or something where I could do it it just wasn't around maybe I was looking in the wrong places but um I think it's a great service for us here at Cape Gunworks and the fact that you're passionate about it and wanting to get and grow the next generation of shooters and, and archery people is awesome. So my hat's off to you for that, Dylan, and we look forward to having you do that. So thanks so much for all you do here. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. And don't forget about date night every Friday night and ladies' night on Thursdays. Or you can just try a range experience package if you want to try shooting for the first time. No gun license is required for that. And you'll have a wonderful time or sign up with Dylan for a private lesson on archery. You might love it. You might have a new hobby. So, and a new lease on life. And I'm not over promoting this in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so we will be right back. You're listening to rapid fire. Thanks, Dylan.
you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, and sometimes archery, uh, and whatever else we want to talk about. And this is kind of the free-for-all hour, the second hour, where we talk a lot of local stuff, but we also talk about whatever we don't get in the first hour and usually get to, but we also um, open it up more to the chat and questions and et cetera, et cetera. And Techno Beast is saying, can I fix the mag on myself if it's a post Healy lower? You have a Mean Arms MA lock. And yeah, I don't see why not, because you can be the manufacturer of that gun. So anyway, um, is it true you can get a fixed mag AR with an FID? This is a question that we should ask Keith Langer, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes, because it can't be considered an assault weapon if it has a fixed magazine. So, therefore, it can't be considered a large-capacity weapon. It's not capable of, capable of accepting a magazine or any type of ammo device over 10 rounds. So, absolutely, yes, you can. Um, does P80 have a Glock 30 version, a Compact 45? I don't think so, um, Davey, so... I don't know. You might have to settle for a 9 mil or the 40, as we like to call them in Massachusetts. A 40 or the 357 SIG or something like that. You could build the Glock 29 or the Glock uh, 26 or the Glock 27. Um, the new serialized kit from P80 defeats the purpose altogether, HPS. I get it, but it's still pretty cool. I think it doesn't defeat the purpose. Actually, it probably makes the most sense in a state like Massachusetts because we can't own, buy Glocks. We can own Glocks, but we can't buy them unless you do the, the frame kit and all that. And they serve it up on a silver platter, all OEM parts that I think are comparable to Glock. And I know I could piss a lot of people off by saying that, but um, I do think they are. And I think that um, it's a it's a good kit. So there you have it. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, let's see. So getting back to um, what Keith was saying, HPS, uh, he's saying, okay, tell that to the people who were shot at the church or the mall recently. And I would agree. If you have something in the car, it, it does make sense. And I, 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 unfortunately, you know, Keith likes to be not just 
you know, and I get accused of this all the time when I am asked the question. Sometimes people just want a quick yes or no answer. And he gives you the pros and cons to all of it. So, and I understand what he's saying that there's, um, you could create more problems and that's what lawyers do. They actually try to protect their clients from getting jammed up. So you could potentially create more problems than you could solve with that situation. But I'm not saying it's a bad idea, especially if it's smart to stage the gun in the home. Maybe it is smart to stage your gun in the car, but um, I certainly wouldn't want to advertise it with any stickers on my car, or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, and I've done it, you know, because I had that safe from Gun Vault in my truck once upon a time. So there you have it. And it was actually even more safe because I could lock the tailgate in the up position uh, so you could never get into that vault with the tailgate in the up position because it slides out the back. So it was a pretty cool situation I had going on there. But anyway, um, what AR pistols do I recommend? And how about pistol pistol caliber carbines? Um, The AR pistols I love are the SIG Virtus, uh, MCX Virtus pistol, like the Rattler um, is phenomenal if you can get them. They're expensive, but they're, they're pretty cool. I like them a lot. Um, so something like that is where I would probably start. Or, you know, there's a, a bunch of other really good companies out there making AR pistols. Like any good factory company that makes AR pistols. You know, I know Daniel Defense makes them. Um, I've never been a huge fan of Daniel Defense, even though I know they make a pretty bulletproof product. It's a really good, rugged, uh, battle-worthy product. But... I just don't know what it is about them that kind of bugs me and irritates me. But um, we also, uh, I also have the um, s- some time behind some other 10 and a half inch AR pistols like uh, the Smith & Wesson M&P. Uh, the PWS is a really good one as far as I'm concerned. I like the primary weapon system. I think they're a good solid gun, good weight ratio. Uh, another one that I think is phenomenal is the uh, Barrett, um, what the heck is it, the Barrett, I forget their the name of their AR that they uh, have that's piston-driven, um, but it's a pretty pretty sweet gun, and they make a 10.5-inch version, I believe. Um, and pistol-caliber carbines, I would I get, go right back to the SIG MPX. I like those a lot. I think the Ruger... Uh, PCC is probably the best price point for the money all around solid gun. Um, but I also like the battle arms development one. Uh, that's a pretty cool one. Uh, the AFP is the one I was trying to talk about yesterday on the stream, but I was butchering calling it an APC. The AFP has got a really nice side charger Glock mag and then quarter circle 10 makes some cool ones because they have other, magazine options like the sig 226 mag and the uh mp5 mag for a pistol caliber carbine so those are pretty cool anyway um let's see uh chris says skip the p80 and buy an hk and uh you yeah you could do that but i would say as long as it you know fits the budget and fits your hand really well and you shoot it good but a lot of people just want the want the glock so there you have it 
um, you you uh, had stickers on your car, but you took them all off because you drive a Karen Subaru, and anyone who drives a Subaru uh, would not think a gun owner is in there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, that's a uh, good call right there. It's funny because I had a friend who once, he had one of the earliest hybrids. It was the Honda. I forget what the heck the model was, but uh, what was it? No, the real early Honda hybrids, like the first ones. No, it wasn't the Insight. It was the, uh, maybe it was the second one, but anyway, uh, he had a, uh, like, I think at the time it was a McCain sticker on it because uh, he was running against Obama or something. And I'm like, you're a driving enigma. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't that one. It was the CRV or not the CRV. It was the next iteration of the It wasn't the first gen. It was the next one. But anyway, um, so, guys, it's another show in the bag for crying out loud. It's rapid fire. It goes quick. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember, the show ends here, but you can always tune in at capegunworks.com slash rapid fire. You can call the rapid fire line at 508-444-2120. You can keep up the good fight in your local community. Be an advocate. Be a good, responsible gun owner. Take someone new to the range and show them the two-way way of life by being a responsible gun owner in America. And together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We will see you next time on Rapid Fire. Take care.